0: Welcome to this week's message from a new church. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our website, newchurch.nz. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this message. In Romans 15, verse 18 to 19, which is what Paul the Apostle shared, and he said this. Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles... To God, So Gentiles were, were people that had no real history with God, that the Judah, um, Talmud, all of that, they had this history of, of knowing God. The Gentiles were people that weren't Jews. They had no real idea. They m- mostly lived a pagan lifestyle. So Paul went to the, the Gentiles and, and brought them to Jesus, bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them. But they were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit, in this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, which is either north or south of Italy. And I love that verse, just reading it from a couple of different translations. The NIV says, by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ, and in the ESV, it says, by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. So according to to Paul's example, his life, his demonstration, his teaching, fully presenting the gospel of Jesus must include three things, word, deed, and power what we say, how we live, and backed up with the demonstration of the supernatural from the Spirit of God. And maybe a reason, and I just put this to you, I don't know if it's true or not, maybe a reason why we aren't seeing the most incredible things that happened in the book of Acts and in the Bible happening regularly today is perhaps we've been really good at preaching a partial gospel. We're good at maybe word or deed and maybe a little bit of power, but I totally believe, and the Word of God is living and active, we need to understand there is power in fully presenting the full gospel of Christ, word, deed, and power. If you want to know a little bit more about that, listen to uh, the message a couple of weeks ago. So I want to break that apart again, and like I did back then, just look at these three things, but maybe bring a a few different um, examples this morning. So the first one is, Word. It says, bringing people to God by my message. By my message. So in Romans 12 11, and this is the, the end of the Bible, it says, They, us, they have conquered him or overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives. Even unto death. And that's a great three part sermon right there, talking about the blood of Jesus and testimony and giving our whole lives, surrendering our lives to God. But just that part it says in the middle that overcame by the word of their testimony. So, just a bit of a, a Bible lesson here in Greek word is logos in the Greek, and it simply means spoken or written word. It means telling, actually telling someone. Something, word and testimony. That the word of their testimony is martyria, and hopefully I pronounce that right. And it means eyewitness account, personal report, true story. So when we see by the word of their testimony, we can accurately translate that as they overcame by the telling of their story. They overcome that overcame the devil by the telling of their story. I want to give us a challenge this morning. What story are we telling? What are we talking about? What are we writing about? What are we posting about? They overcame by the telling of their story, the, the preaching the gospel fully. It must include telling. And this really shouldn't be too hard. Because, you know, when you're passionate about something, you know that you're just going to be talking about it. And you're just not even going to think half the time that you're talking about it. You just do because it's a passion of yours. So for those of you that know me lately, you'll know that I'm just loving playing World of Tanks. Because I love tanks. And I'm probably about 10 years too late for this. But it's just, I mean, I'm absolutely useless at it. And I'm probably playing with a whole, like, The people that play video games online, the average age is probably about like nine years old. So I'm just pretty bad, but it's tanks and I'm loving it. So people know that I'm playing World of Tanks. It's a bit of a passion. You would have heard Mitch talking about donuts a lot this morning because you just talk about your passion without really knowing about it. First of all, we do that naturally. Second of all, the people around us know that Jesus is our passion. Because if Jesus is really our passion, we're going to be telling about Him without really knowing about it. It's just going to come out of us because we're passionate about Jesus. And we see this in Acts 4, verse 20. Peter and John, they've just been arrested. They've been praying for people and people don't like it. So they're arrested and they're called to give an account of what they're doing. And it says this in Acts 4:20: We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. I've heard many sermons and and talking about how we live our lives, and they say that Francis of Assisi, he was an awesome monk back in the day, they say this that he said, Preach the gospel at all times, use words if necessary. And I remember hearing that and thinking, Sweet, I'm off the hook. I don't have to tell anyone about Jesus. I just have to live a good Christian life. And that's awesome because that's what Francis of Assisi said. Quoted. Actually, he never said anything of the sort. It's been misquoted. No one can even, he didn't say that. What he did say was very much closer to the truth that we must back up what we say with our behavior, which is a complete different thing. So Dwayne Lifton, he says this, and I love this. He goes, It is simply impossible to preach the gospel without words. The gospel is inherently verbal and preaching the gospel is inherently verbal behavior. Romans 10 verse 14. But how can they call on him to save save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? That someone is... Me, that someone is you. We've all got this incredible sphere of influence in our works, in our our school, in in our families. And God is calling us to speak out about the awesome God that saved us. And I just encourage you guys, don't be weird about it because the world has too many weird Christians. How does the Bible tell us to do this? In Colossians 4 verse 6, don't quote me on that. It'll be, we'll get into trouble from someone. Colossians 4, 6. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. When you've got a nice meal or a nice steak, or not a steak if you're plant-based, but something nice, you don't take the lid off the salt shaker and just dump all the salt on that steak. It's gonna wreck the steak. What do you do? You season your food with salt. How should we live with people that we've got relationship with, with people that know that we're credible, that we are people of integrity, we go about our lives, we speak graciously and we season Jesus into everything we do. I reckon that's gonna be so much more powerful than going up to someone we don't know and just say, you're gonna go to hell because they don't know you. And they haven't a clue who you are or how credible you are. Let's get to know people. Let's love people. Let's show people that we're credible, that we're trustworthy, that we know Jesus, that Jesus has changed our lives, and that they can trust us so that we have passport into their lives and we can speak the truth of God and the love of God when they open up. And I tell you what, they are going to open up to you if they know you are credible. Two, deed, by the way I worked among them. So first of all was word, bringing people to God by my message. Secondly, deed, by the way I worked among them. That word, word work is ergon. It means work, deeds, activities. In Philippians 1 verse 27, it says, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a man- manner worthy of, of the good news about Christ. Above all, like this is like the top of the point list. You must live. A season the citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith which is the good news. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news. Belief. And behavior go hand in hand. You can't separate that. Our behavior will always confirm our belief or our behavior will always deny what we believe. It just can't, that's just the truth of it. We will behave because of how we believe. So behavior is incredibly important. And our behavior must be different from the world. I think if people can't tell the difference between the way we live and someone that doesn't have a clue about who Jesus is, then then we're living this Christian life. There must be a better way to live the Christian life. So I wanna talk about repentance for a second, just for fun. What does that actually mean? Uh, Because we don't really hear about that a lot. So repentance in the Old Testament, the origin of the word simply means to turn or to return and in the New Testament, they used that a lot for people that turned away from their sinful behavior, their sinful lifestyle, and they turn toward, or turned towards Jesus. And I just realized something today. Say if, um, say if Mitch is Jesus, right? And I'm living this way. I, I turn towards Jesus, right? So I turn, which is repentance, and I walk towards Mitch to do that, I must turn away from something here. To to turn towards Jesus uh, and to walk towards Jesus, I must turn away from what is over here and I must walk away from what is over here and I must walk to, that's, that's the only way it works. I think what has happened, because we've the, the pendulum, we, we always like pendulums and you know there's been an extreme of law and, and, and condemnation in the past years and the church has sort of gone the other way to, to love and stuff. We sort of say, well, you can carry on with your lifestyle and you can turn towards Jesus and it doesn't matter about how you live because God's just love and that's all cool. It just doesn't work that way. It's never worked that way. To truly repent and the Bible says to be saved, we have to repent. It simply means turn away from that lifestyle that behavior and turn towards jesus and you may be saying well simon that's just too hard it is too hard without the power of god in our lives but as we do that and as we choose by our will to repent god is going to help you so so what is sinful behavior what is the sinful life and again we're living in a post-christian new zealand some people just don't have a clue And there are a few real good lists in the Bible. I just want to read from one this morning, Galatians 5, verse 19 onwards. When you follow the desire of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, which is any sexual activity outside of marriage, which includes one man and one woman. Only one man and only one woman. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, Outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. You don't hear that much these days. We, we are called to surrender our lives, internal life, the washing away of our sins. It's a free gift, but you've got to turn to Jesus to accept His free gifts. So if you're here this morning, don't want to heap any condemnation on you at all, but I just want to say, with all the love within me, stop it. Stop your sinful behavior. It's not doing you any good. It is destructive. It is going to drag you to hell. Turn away and turn towards Jesus. He'll wash your sins away. He'll give you new hope. He'll give you the power to overcome. It's it's incredible. Word, deed, and power number three by the power of signs and wonders through the power of the Spirit of God. So I like that the second part of that verse, it's not just any old supernatural power because there's a lot of supernatural power in, in the world today, it's supernatural power that comes from the Holy Spirit. And in Matthew 10, verse 7 do I want to say this again, I shared it a couple of weeks ago. Go and announce this is what Jesus said, go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near, heal the sick raise the dead cure those with leprosy cast out demons give as freely as you have received that's pretty supernatural isn't it and and like almost 40% of the gospels Matthew Mark Luke John not even counting acts over a third is devoted to signs and wonders and miracles it has to be a part of our christian faith You just take the Bible. How did the Bible start? In the beginning, God said, He spoke. And this whole universe was created. You look through the Old Testaments, almost every second page or every page has got some sort of supernatural element to it. Come to the start of the New Testament, Jesus, God came down and was born as a man, a virgin birth. That's pretty supernatural. Then you read through the Gospels, like I said, the book of Acts is the church, us doing supernatural works, Uh, Jesus dies, sorry, before the book of Acts, and then He raises again. That's supernatural. The end of, of the Bible revelation, it's full of supernatural. We can't live this life without the supernatural element. But there are, there are Christians around today that are wanting to take that all out of the Bible. It's like, we can explain away Genesis. It's only allegory. It's only a story. It's not supernatural. And, and Jesus was just a great teacher. He didn't, you can't. And you know, there's if you guys have been listening to the news or reading online, there's a lot, a lot of people are roasting Pentecostal churches these days. And I've been thinking about it, like the Pentecostal church isn't just like a fringe church. Like the book of Acts, when you read the birth, the early church was a supernatural church, was a Pentecostal church. It really was. Like they were filled with the power and the Spirit of God. They went out and they didn't just speak about Jesus. They didn't show the the truth of Jesus by their lifestyle. They also prayed for people and the Holy Spirit worked through them supernaturally. So last week or the week before, I gave you like five points. Who can remember those five points? No one. Who takes (laughs) notes anymore in church? Like... Only the, the, the real Christians here at this morning. <laughs> so I was thinking, what do I do to sort of wrap this up? And um, I'm just going to give you one point today. So all of us can remember this one point. How can we step out and how can we step up and mature in word, deed, and power? I just think there's one really good way to do that. And it's this. Grow your faith. Grow your faith. Just one simple point today that all of us can remember, and and I'll maybe test you on this in a couple of weeks. Grow your faith. In Luke 17, verse 5, so previous to Luke 17, Jesus is sharing a whole lot of parables and a whole lot of teaching, and then his disciples say this in verse 5, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. So when you look at the the phraseology of that in the original, the the disciples, they were really strong and they were actually really rude how they said that. Like Jesus is talking all about um, all these incredible things and how, how to live the life following God. And they just say, Jesus, you've got to increase our faith. Pretty much that's how they said it. It's like, They demanded that Jesus do it, that they wouldn't take any responsibility. It's like, Lord, you've gotta do this because we realise that this is a pretty big deal living the life that you want us to live, but you do it, God, you increase our faith, please. And this is what Jesus said, which is interesting. The next verse, the Lord said, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. So first of all, they say, Jesus, you've gotta do this. And then he gives the analogy that faith is like a seed. What do we do with seeds? We nurture them, we cultivate them, we we water them, we look after them, and seeds grow. So a couple of things from this. First of all, we have all been given a measure of faith. It says that in Romans 12 verse something. Romans Romans 12 verse 3. It says that we have all been given a measure of faith. Every single one of us in this room or listening or watching this, we've all been given faith. And Jesus then compares that faith and tells us that faith is like a seed. What do you do with a seed? You invest in it, you water it, you look after it, and it grows. The responsibility for growing our faith is not the responsibility of Jesus. He's already given us faith. The responsibility to grow our faith is my responsibility is your responsibility. How are we gonna be believers that really accurately present the gospel the way we see it biblically? We've gotta grow our faith. We've gotta take responsibility to do that. It's up to you and it's up to I. We've all been given faith and it can easily grow if we look after it. But there are faith builders in this world and there are faith eroders. There are things that we do in life and things that we listen to and things that we watch and things that we get involved in, and they will erode our faith. They will lessen our faith. And there are things that we can do in our lives that, you know, conversations we have, things that we can expose ourselves to, that will grow our faith. It is our responsibility. So Philippians 4, verse 4 to 9 is is a real good practical um, bookend to, to this idea. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Fix your thoughts on these things. Spend time in these things. Now, we can easily listen to a lot less secular music and a lot more worship music. That does so much for your soul. You can hang out with people that encourage you in the Lord. Now, Christy and I hung out with Mitch and Larissa a week or so ago. We just watched um, conference videos actually all day for hours. I mean, who does that? But we did it and it was so exciting. (laughs) At the end of the day, I was so pumped for Jesus and excited about ministry again. Um, We can do this. We can expose ourselves. We can fix our thoughts on things that are godly. Pure, right, admirable, noble. And it does amazing things in your life. I guarantee you that your faith will grow. There are things that we can do in our lives that will erode faith. What are you watching? What are you getting exposed to? Uh, What are you dwelling on? And then it says in verse nine, keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. So at the start, he's saying, fix your thoughts on all these things. Do these things. And then it says, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. I heard an incredible quote yesterday. It says this, most Christians are educated far beyond their level of obedience. Who? Most Christians are educated far beyond their level of obedience. We are very good at knowing a lot about God. Perhaps not so good at actually living what we have learned. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. To contact us or to find out what's happening at our church, please check out our website, renewchurch.nz.